the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer getting underway at seven minutes past the hour of nine o'clock this morning. It's a Thursday, and it's the final day, the 31st day of the month of March in the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being here. Coming up in the program, you just heard one of his commercials. We're going to get his thoughts on a few of the things going on in Congress right now. Jonah Schultz will be joining us in the second hour <coughs> Excuse me, of the program at 1035 this morning. And Dr. Everett Piper joins us from Oklahoma with uh, some very important analysis on what is going on at Disney and in schools and in state houses pertaining to the continued attack on your children. That'll be coming up at 1010. So hour two is heavy with guests with Dr. Piper and with Jonah Schultz. Hours one and three wide open for you. So when you're ready, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers is just fine with me. It'll get you here. If you don't want to wait for one of those numbers, that's okay, too. You can, uh, what I mean is wait on hold. If you don't want to wait on hold, you can leave your uh, voice message to me. It's the uh, only one of its kind that I'm aware of. Uh, the only website that actually has an opportunity for you to go to the webpage, click record, uh, record your voice for the radio and what your question is or your comment is and then send it right to me and we'll play it on the air. I don't think anybody else has that. They've got phone lines, but nobody else makes it as easy as just go to your mouse or excuse me, go to your, uh, your screen, your browser and use your little mouse and click record, say what you gotta say, click stop record, push send and away you go. 
so check that out at alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us, which is where you will find today's top stories, including Governor Mike DeWine finally starting to run a, something of a campaign. And he wants you to know that he's a fighter. Mike DeWine is not afraid of tough fights, he says in his campaign ad. Yeah, they re- released a 30-second ad saying Governor Mike DeWine is a fighter. Listen to it. He's not afraid of the tough fights. Governor Mike DeWine. When big city unions refused to open our schools, he took them head on and got our kids back in the classroom. <laughs> I didn't even really mean to. I read the article, and I didn't push play and preview the video that accompanied it, the ad. I just knew what the story was, and I put it. I made it the lead on alwayswrite.us. The article came from the Ohio Star, and the headline is what grabbed me. It says, Ohio Governor DeWine says he's not afraid of tough fights in campaign ad. Renacy responds. I said, okay, he's got an ad here, so I think I'll play it. I didn't preview it. I didn't listen to it, so I didn't expect what we just heard. <laughs> is, he really, is he really putting out an ad saying that he is the one who wanted to put kids back in school, back in classes, and to end the lockdowns? He, Mr. Two Weeks to Flatten the Curve, the guy who destroyed Ohio schools to Ohio children, Ohio, uh, uh, um, Ohio's uh, uh, students, opportunities, the guy who was behind all of that for listening to Amy Acton is taking credit in his ad for getting kids back into schools? It's only 30 seconds. I ought to be able to let you hear it without interrupting it, but I just couldn't. I didn't know. I didn't expect that. But here we go. He's not afraid of the tough fights. Governor Mike DeWine. When big city unions refused to open our schools, he took them head on and got our kids back in the classroom. As China cheats with unfair trade tactics, DeWine fought to bring manufacturing jobs back to Ohio. Ohio, Ohio is 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 among the worst states in the country for job growth, and it was long before COVID-19 and his decisions crushed more jobs in Ohio. It was in the first two years of his term, first year plus of his term as well, that Ohio was just completely lagging behind the rest of the country in job growth. But no, please continue with the ad. Radicals push to defund our police. DeWine increased funding for law enforcement to keep us safe. Governor Mike DeWine. He fights and wins for Ohio. And and that's the uh, headline of the ad, too. You see it on the page as he's walking there, all stern, little Napoleon wannabe, uh, surrounded by state troopers as if he supports them, when the reality is they're there to protect his little spineless behind. And the headline says, DeWine Houston, fighting and winning for Ohio. So Mike DeWine wants you to know he's a fighter. He's not afraid of the tough. In fact, that's the uh, tweet. The tweet from Mike DeWine's feed is actually worded, new, at John Husted and I aren't afraid of tough fights. That's what DeWine wants you to know. That's what our governor wants you to be aware of. Not, of, not afraid of, of tough fights. And that's the headline, the lead story on my webpage, alwayswrite.us. But then the next story down, you probably should be aware of as well. Governor Mike DeWine turns down debate invitation without explanation. (laughs) 
I'm not afraid to fight. I'm not, I'm not afraid to fight. But debating? Uh, no, we'll pass. Why don't you get out there and fight? Why don't you defend your record, you little Governor Mike Nospine? I've had many nicknames for this uh, unbelievable tool of the government. I could have just stopped with tool. Uh, I, I've had many nicknames for him, among them Governor Nospine. And this, to me, is the best example of that. Why will you not debate Jim Renacci? Mr. I'm not afraid to fight. Bring the fight to me. I'll bring the fight to you. Great. Meet you center stage in Columbus. Oh, I can't make that. What do you mean you can't make that? You just said you weren't afraid of a fight. Well, you know, everybody already knows my policy, so I don't need to get up there and give them again. Debates aren't about listing your policies. Debates are about answering tough questions about your record, about things you've done while you've been governor. Maybe about things you've been done in all of the other government positions you have held. Senator and uh, congressman and uh, state senator. All the different positions you've held in your entire career as a career politician. It's about answering questions about what you've done and what you will do to fix the things that you have broken. That's what a debate is for. It's about answering the questions that the people want answers to. Not just, here are my stated policies. Everybody knows where I stand. How do you react to the questions? How do you react to the criticism? We know how Governor No Spine reacts to criticism. You know how that is? He hides from it. He refuses to grant interviews to people who have been critical of him. Raise your hand if you are in that, uh, in that, in that field. Yeah, my hand is up. As a critic of Mike DeWine's, Somebody who actually interviewed him very early on in the pandemic and was very critical of his decisions. Mike DeWine is never coming back. Every time we put in a request, oh, no, sorry, can't do that. Just like Bob Paduchik, nine days running. ORP chair, Mike DeWine sycophant, Mike DeWine supporter, Bob Paduchik, who spearheaded the ORP campaign to endorse this failing little Napoleonic tyrant. The bespectacled buffoon, Governor No Spine. Paduchik won't come on either. Because then he'd have to explain that. And there is no explaining that. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine says he's not afraid of tough fights in campaign ad. Renacy responds. I'll give you some of Renacy's response after we start our program the right way. And that is by asking you as a patriot to rise. Please stand wherever you may be. Unless you're driving, you can get away with that. Stay seated. But if you have a flag nearby, go ahead and face it. Put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in pledging allegiance to some other kind of a flag, like a rainbow flag, for example, which teachers are forcing their children to do, then you have no earthly idea what the Stars and Stripes are really all about anyway. So you go ahead and take a knee next to Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh and your favorite ex-quarterback. I'll explain that in a moment. But for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Not sure if you saw this uh, yesterday, but there was, a, uh, there was a picture of Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh standing next to 
former quarterback Colin Kaepernick with the announcement that Kaepernick is the honorary captain or something like that of the Michigan football team for this spring's spring practice season. <laughs> if you're wondering why, Harbaugh was the head coach of the 49ers when Kaepernick still played in the National Football League before he decided to, uh, A, go full-on woke, and B, before he decided to uh, test the market, find out exactly how much he was worth on the open market in free agency. He was very disappointed to find out that that answer was not very much. That's why he never got a job. He priced himself out and then played the, I've been blackballed, victim card. But anyway, Harbaugh and uh, Kaepernick are still apparently friends because now Colin Kaepernick represents Michigan football. And if you are a Buckeye, well, I don't think that, I don't think I need to tell you if you needed another reason to hate Michigan, you have just found it. Now let's go back to Governor Nospine. And more importantly, let's go back to uh, Jim Renacci's response to this. If Mike DeWine was so anxious, this is a quote in the Capital Journal, if or not Capital Journal, bigger part, uh, Capital Journal's got the other story. Uh, this is your hot star. If Mike DeWine is so anxious about defending his record, he should stop putting out misleading TV ads and join me on the debate stage instead. I concur. DeWine senses that Ohio Republicans are about to put an end to his four-decade political career, Renacci said. Ohioans remember DeWine is the candidate that shut down our schools and then forced our children to wear masks in school. They remember that DeWine called the left's 2020 riots understandable and appropriate. They remember that DeWine killed three-quarters of a million jobs with his Fauci-inspired lockdowns and are reminded every day that Ohio has one of the worst economic recoveries in the nation under his watch. Real conservative leadership is coming soon, and it all starts with defeating DeWine in May. End quote. That again from gubernatorial challenger Jim Renacci. Renacci is, according to this Ohio Star report, polling neck and neck with DeWine. Uh, but earlier this month received an endorsement from the Butler County GOP, as well as the Cuyahoga County, second largest in the state, GOP, with this primary election coming on May 3rd. The better news for campaign Renacci and the bad news for the fighter that is Mike DeWine is the story we told yesterday, which is also on alwayswrite.us, and that is according to the most recent Harris poll, and we talked to Neil McCabe yesterday, talked about Harris Polling is typically you know, a left-leaning organization. For what that's worth, this is a, a Republican primary poll. But a poll of 1,342 Ohio Republicans um, showed Jim Renacci just beating the daylights out of Mike DeWine. 46% to 30%, a 16-point gap. 46 to 30%. And then the foundering investigated campaign of Joe Blystone, who's in serious, serious trouble with the Ohio uh, Secretary of State, the Elections Commission, and probably the FBI before it's all said and done due to massive campaign finance fraud allegations. The foundering uh, Blystone campaign is way back 26 be- points behind Renacci and 10 points behind DeWine at 20%. Uh, that's massive. So Governor DeWine says, I'm a fighter. And I'm trailing this, this Renacci guy, but here's how I'm going to fight. Yeah, I won't be doing any, de- any debates. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine won't participate in a primary debate later this month hosted by the Ohio Debate Commission. No reason was given, according to a commission statement. 
That decision comes as more conservative elements of the GOP express growing skepticism with the governor's administration. Last month at the Central Committee meeting, a contingent within the party threw up a Hail Mary, making an unsuccessful bid to keep the party from endorsing in the governor's race. And I'll stop there and say, by the way, that's Bob Paduchik's doing. The fact that he did indeed make sure that there would be an endorsement and it would go to Mike DeWine and that millions of dollars in campaign contributions or funds would be granted to the party's endorsed candidate, the incumbent, uh, Mike DeWine. And even with those resources, he's still getting trounced. I mean, you can see why these guys are two peas in a pod. Paduchik, the ORP chair, and Mike DeWine, the, the governor. Both of them claim to be fighters, but guess what? DeWine wouldn't even show up at that endorsement vote. He wouldn't even show up. And that's because he and Paduchik knew that as soon as he was introduced, he would be booed by those in attendance. Because the Ohio Republicans cannot, Ohio Republicans, not the Ohio Republican Party, because the ORP, led by Paduchik, still strong for the governor. But Ohio Republicans and Ohio conservatives in particular cannot stand him because of what he's done to this state. But at any rate, in a statement, DeWine's campaign manager, Brenton Temple, defended their decision not to debate Jim Renacci. Quote, Mike DeWine is the most publicly accessible governor in Ohio history. <laughs> Wait, yeah. You got some rankings for that? You want to tell us exactly how you came to that measurement? Tell me what the measure measurable uh, accessibility rate was for John Kasich. Tell me what the uh, accessibility measurability rate was for Ted Strickland. Please, let's go on. Let's go back a ways. Because that's a pretty strong statement. He goes on to say, Governor DeWine meets with constituents on a daily basis and regularly takes questions from the media. <laughs> really? <laughs> Really? Uh, no, he regularly took questions from the media during his weekly COVID um, sideshows that were televised, and then he would pick and choose media to avoid. People like Jack Windsor, the Ohio Press Network, because he didn't want to answer tough questions. The conclusion of the statement from the campaign manager, Ohioans know where he stands on the issues and that he is fighting and winning for them. Doesn't sound like he's fighting at all, Brent. If he was fighting, he'd be in the ring. Where's the ring? It's the debate stage in Columbus. That's the ring. If he's such a fighter, why is he too afraid to walk between the ropes? Tell me that, Mr. Fighter. Ohioans know where he stands on the issues. I want to know how he defends his decisions. That's what I want. I would ask him myself, but Mr. Accessible to the Media won't come on the Bob France program. Won't come on Always Right Radio. Why? He's such a fighter. Tell him to put him up. Let's go, little Napoleon. Let's do this. I'm ready. I'm in the ropes. Renacy's ready on the stage. He's between the ropes. Come and fight. Let's do this. Put him up. I promise I won't hurt you. You're the fighter, though, remember. You said you were going to kick Blystone's A. Well, kick mine. Let's talk. Come on. Let's get into this. Mike DeWine is terrified of anybody challenging him. 
He's terrified of having to defend his own record. He won't talk to Jim Renacci. He won't talk to people like me. He's going to hope that everybody just forgets the last two years of pain. 925, Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 927 on AM 1420, The Answer. I normally was going to just finish out the, uh, the half hour going to the news with some more commentary, but I'm told we've got a call that I want to take. This person is identifying himself as Joe, and he says he's with the ORP, and he wants to talk about endorsing Mike DeWine. So let's go to the phones and welcome Joe uh, to the program. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm Great to fine, talk thanks. to you again. Yes, sir. So, so, Bob, I am a committee member on the Republican Party of the county, not of the state. Uh-huh. And we had, our, we had our endorsement meeting Saturday, as you know, and you know the results of that meeting. Very, very happy about those. So when we came in, and most of us are really your average, everyday citizen. We're nothing special, the majority of us. But there are folks there that feel that they run the party. As, as again, as you know, so nonetheless, we're sitting there and we see the endorsement from our higher ups within the with what we call a scanning committee, uh, and they had endorsed uh, uh, Governor Dewine, and then the discussion ensued, saying, "Well, let's uh, substitute the name of uh, Governor Dewine and let's put uh, Jim Renacci in there," and it took. You know, with all the back and forth and the banter going on, some people opposed the great majority um, um, wanting to have uh, Mr. Renacci as the endorsed candidate. Um, ultimately ended up, of course, that Renacci became the candidate. And it was, I would say, if I had to put a number on it, uh, maybe 134 uh, Mr. Renacci and about... I'm going to say 70. So it was essentially a two to one. Yeah, I, I think I, I think vote. I read the number at 123 to 73. So a 50 50 vote margin. Yes. Yeah, thereabouts. What was interesting though was the the, the replies of the candidates because all, all the candidates did have an opportunity to to speak. Mm-hmm. And it started, of course, with the governor, and he touted his record, which you went over this morning. So I don't need to go over that. And we all know his record. And then uh, Mr. Renacci spoke, and uh, he, did, he did bring forward, as opposed to complaining, he did the, the best thing. This is what I'm going to do for Ohio. And you can fill in the blanks. I don't need to go into the whole thing. No, no, you're right. I've talked, I've talked to Renacci, and I've heard him speak, and he has, he has outlined a very, very uh, ambitious uh, platform for Ohio. You're right about that. But go on. Very clear, very concise, and it's not complaining. It's, this is what I would like to do. This is what Ohioans expect. This is what I will do. Now, the other candidate, uh, Mr. Blystone, all he did was complain. And I, as I'm sitting there, I'm going, oh, my goodness, this guy has no chance. So I'd encourage your folks to, who are supporting Blystone to reconsider a negative individual such as Mr. Blystone and really go with Renacci because the danger that we have is the governor being able to uh, put many voters into a trance will try to attempt to have them vote for him hope and is anticipating on splitting the vote between Renacci and Blystone there that is that is the plan for the primary election we as voters need to see past that and really vote for the candidate who I believe will win and I believe it will be Mr. Renacci 
Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. He's on the County Republican Party uh, Committee, you just heard. Uh, and and I, I totally agree. And, and Joe Blystone has been relentlessly negative, particularly to anybody who's not uh, all about him. Uh, if you are a conservative individual, but you are not voting for the, uh, the, the, what do they call it, all hat, no cattle? If you're not in his corner, you are a rhino. You're fake news. You're not a real journalist. In my case, you're not a real uh, 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 conservative. You know, conservative-minded people like um, Ohio Value voters who have endorsed Renacci, Nino Vitale, one of the most conservatives in the Ohio entire Ohio General Assembly. Uh, he's not really conservative. He's a rhino too because he supports Renacci and not Blystone. He's been relentlessly negative. His campaign is in deep, 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 deep trouble. He is uh, being investigated. Uh, campaign finance uh, uh, law violations all over the place have been alleged. And he cannot win. He just cannot win. And it's time he and his supporters recognize if you really, truly care about Ohio, as he says he does, and I don't doubt that, but if you really care about Ohio, you will try to help get uh, get uh, Mike DeWine out of the governor's office and help get behind the only candidate who can do that, and that's Renacci. All right, right back after the news. you what a great website you have i listen to you almost every day and when i can't i go back and listen later on your website thanks for helping make all this crazy world a little bit funnier and a lot easier you're doing a great job and we're glad to have you on our side let's go brandon (laughs) thank you helene (laughs) that's uh helene in cleveland who sent that message on the uh, sound off pay, uh, sound off button rather on alwayswrite.us. And yeah, I agree. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I'm one of the world's best seated dancers. As soon as I have to get up and use my feet and involve them, I'm screwed. But here in my chair, man, I can sway with the best of them. Uh, and every time I hear that groove, I, I do. Let's Tell go, me you're not. Tell me you're not doing a little shimmy right now. I'm feeling. Uh, uh, thank you, Helene. Uh, seriously, for the kind words. I appreciate that. The check will be in the mail. Um, if anybody else wants to get paid, no, I, I'm kidding about that, of course. But seriously, if you have thoughts on uh, the stories, the questions, comments, whatever it is, go to alwayswrite.us and uh, leave a message for us. We'll play it on the radio just like that. Okay, um, I just want to read a couple more quotes here. <clears throat> Excuse me, about uh, the fighter, uh, Mike DeWine, and his. Um, his explanation by by way of his campaign manager. He couldn't even talk to the press to make his own statement about why he won't debate Jim Renacci on a, on a stage. He had to send his campaign manager out there to do that. Uh, Renacci had a couple more response, saying that uh, DeWine has governed like a blue state liberal, which is something I've been saying for two years now. He has governed much more like Cuomo, Newsom, uh, uh, Pritzker, uh, Whitmer, Brown, and so forth. And he has like DeSantis or Noam or, or uh, any number, even Ducey in Arizona, who leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, Abbott, he is absolutely governed like a blue state liberal. And it's disgusting to me that he has been re, uh, uh, endorsed for re-election by the Ohio Republican Party. 
guess the URP now now uh, uh, endorses liberals. Renacci in a statement said, I'm not surprised he's terrified. What does shock me is that Governor DeWine thinks so little of the countless Ohio families whose lives he's harmed, futures he's ruined, and businesses he's destroyed. And he won't even take the debate, take to the debate stage to attempt to justify it, much less apologize for it. And that's exactly correct. I don't know if any other candidate who is an incumbent for the governor's, in the governor's race in a primary has refused to debate before. Has that ever happened? I don't know if that's ever happened. I mean, you literally have a record that you should wish to defend. Uh, instead, you do it in a 30-second campaign commercial calling yourself a fighter, but you won't take the hard questions from uh, debate commission members or moderators, from talk show hosts like me. The Ohio Debate Commission President Dan Mothrop said, We are obviously disappointed we convene these debates to help voters, and frankly, to help campaigns and candidates connect with voters across the state. We would welcome the governor reconsidering his decision. No, he's not reconsidering anything. He didn't need to debate Jim Renacci to get the endorsement of the ORP. So why would he want to debate Jim Renacci now? He's already got that endorsement. He's already got the money. Uh, and away we go. So I welcome your thoughts on that situation at 216-901-0945, Either one of those phone numbers is just hunky-dory. Uh, John is in uh, Garfield Heights. Hey, John, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, good mo- uh, morning, Bob. Uh, okay, I have some kind of uh, theory. Now, it, it might sound kind of crazy, but give me a second here. Okay, you know we had a chip shortage, and the car prices went up significantly partly due to that, correct? I'm sorry, say, say that last part again. Uh, in the past couple years, we had a chip shortage. There Microchips. was delays in getting chips to make cars, correct? Yeah, yeah, the yeah correct. Went up. Okay, yes, correct. now the other thing is that this thing uh, is the uh, biggest investment. Intel's making the largest single private sector uh, company investment in Ohio's history, okay? $20 billion at least, mm-hmm. okay? Got it? The uh, wine announced that, correct? Got it. You know, all right? I remember. It was also announced that Biden's uh, uh, State of the Union, but he never gave DeWine any credit as a Republican governor. He talked like he he, he kind of secured his deal in Ohio. Well, DeWine doesn't now, deserve any, thing, DeWine doesn't deserve any credit for it, though. I mean, if we're right, being honest right, here, right. He, well, but, wait, there's more to it. More to it. Yeah. Okay. Now there's a lot to Taiwan, it, and, you know, and a lot a lot of what there is to it. And I, I'm not going to cut you off here. I just want to get this in. Uh, um, John, a lot of a lot of what else there is to it is the amount of tax dollars that were were spent securing this. Dewine bought that. He didn't negotiate that. He didn't, um, uh, you know, play a central role in helping them to decide uh, that this is the best place to do it. He spent countless uh, Ohio tax dollars buying that uh, investment by Intel here in 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 Ohio. And and yeah. you know we're we're going to pay for it as much as we benefit from it. And that's the little you know unspoken part that they don't want you to know about. Yeah, but there's another point I'd like to make here. Please, you know, go ahead. Taiwan Semiconductor controls half of the world's market on uh, made-to-order chips. You know correct. that? That's correct. Taiwan. Now, yes, I just wonder if there's a posturing connection between us making chips here and uh, Biden's uh, administration is sort of lackadaisical about uh, the protection of Taiwan, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, Putin saw that Biden was weak, and that's part of the reason he, he went for the Ukraine. He, he didn't do that with Trump, correct? 100%, yes. Okay, so is it possible that Biden's administration is, you know, not really concerned about protecting Taiwan, 
And they're even thinking that, well, if it takes over Taiwan, we better get these chips made in Ohio or in the United States so we don't have a chip shortage and we don't want the prices on cars going up because that affects our re-election or something like that. Okay? I wonder if there's a connection there. You know, it's it's a good question, John. And and here's the only reason I think no. And that's and thank you for the call because that would take some forward thinking on the part of Biden, the Biden administration, uh, into anticipating the increased cost of cars and not just cars but computers as well. These microchips that you're talking about are are multifaceted, many different types and varieties. Some are for car computers, some are for your laptop computer, your or your smartphone or whatever. These chips, and they are that you're exactly right. The huge, the largest producer of them is Taiwan, and they are made available at a reasonable cost. And if China does invade Taiwan and take over Taiwan and take over the entire chip or semiconductor industry, I read one industry insider who said a, a current present-day $1,000 laptop will become a $15,000 purchase. And I can't even do the math on what that would do to cars. You're right. Um, to think that you know there there has to be an element of this. But that would take forward thinking. And since... He is doing the exact opposite when it comes to energy. I cannot, I cannot fathom uh, uh, Biden or his uh, administration doing anything uh, to to ease the burden on the American consumer. If he cared about the American consumer, it wouldn't just be in car prices not increasing. It wouldn't just be in computer chip uh, uh, prices increasing. How about that which upon which we live? We 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 survive by our energy. We cannot move. We cannot have commerce. Without affordable energy, whether it's the energy that's in our gas tanks, the energy that heats our homes, that powers plants, and so on and so forth, it has to be, um, it has to be uh, uh, affordable. And, and the best way to do that, of course, is to make it domestic. So my point to all of this is, you're suggesting, did he push Biden or Brandon? Did he push to start building those chips here in the United States and it just happened to land in Ohio because of DeWine's willingness to overpay for it because he knows that China's going to invade Taiwan and so we need to uh, decrease our dependence on Taiwanese chips, microchips? And I would just say no because he knows full well that we are going to be more uber-dependent than ever on foreign energy and rather than, than, than saying let's maximize the output of energy here in the United States... He said, we're, just, we're going to go to Iran and ask for more. We're going to go to OPEC and ask for more. We're going to go to Venezuela and ask for more. Please increase your output and please send it to us. If he cared about the consumers, President Brandon, that is, if he cared about the consumers, well, then he would be maximizing, not really, or not uh, shrinking, um, exploration, drilling, uh, fracking, uh, and so on and so forth, here in the United States. He's willing to have our energy created and sold to us from foreign countries, but not our microchips? I don't think so. I just can't I can't square the two. Not in not in my head. He's not he doesn't care about I mean, let's be frank here. He does not care about the American consumer. If he did, he would have already said, Hey folks, we're cutting off right to well, did you hear the announcement this morning? It was in our newscast at the top of the hour. You know, Biden to make an announcement today on a strategic release of 100 million barrels of oil or whatever it is uh, from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Again, stop just releasing drop by drop, and that's what it is, little tiny buckets by little tiny buckets of, of existing oil, and let the companies drill. 
Let them explore. Let them frack for natural gas. Let them do what needs to be done. But he will not, he dare not cross his, his gangrene allies. The green movement, and this is what you saw in this $5.8 trillion budget that he proposed. 48, I think it was, billion dollars for climate change causes. Green energy causes. He refuses to cross not only the gangrene in the United States in his own party, but the globalists that he is working with as well to do what's right for the American people. So if he won't do what's right by energy, I can't imagine him uh, thinking about what's doing, doing what's right for the people by way of microchips. I hope that answered the question. Charlie's in Westlake. Hey, Charlie, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Great show. Uh, just on the microchip thing, I don't think we have to worry about microchips if China goes into Taiwan. It'll be World War Three, and so you don't have to worry about microchips. But uh, well, 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 why do you think it would be World War Three? We're not doing anything to help Ukraine. What makes you think we would do anything to help Taiwan and engage the Chinese? Strategically, Taiwan is the is we're attached to them. We if we get all our microchips, that means we're shut down. The world is shut down. If they just, if we can't, it's going to be, um, something will spark a world war. We, they can't do it. We, that's why we have to look strong. You, you, you think, you think that mealy mouth little old man shuffling across the, uh, the, the floor of the home to make decisions is going to engage the Chinese? He won't even engage Vladimir Putin by providing planes to Poland so Poland can provide, provide their MiGs to the Ukrainians to fight the Russians with. Um, he's well, not doing anything to engage in this. What makes you think he's going to want to take on the Chinese military, which is probably far, far more, more dangerous than the Russians? Well, I look at it as a slope, you know, and once you're on that slope, you can't stop. If yeah. China does go into Taiwan and takes Taiwan, this was basically since 1945, our deal was that the nationalist Chinese government moved there. That was their way to come back to the mainland someday. That's still, you know, that, that was still the American dream. If we allow the Chinese, red Chinese to take Taiwan, it is. It's it's a it's a manu- it's it's way way worse than Hong Kong. Well, all Hong I know Kong- all I know is that Xi Jinping right now and the CCP is watching Biden and his weak response to uh, to Putin, and that is that is going to almost guarantee uh, that they make this move. So if 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 Brandon's got some reason or some method to, of of trying to stop that, um, he's keeping it very very secret because right now everybody, Kim Jong Un is watching. They're all watching to see what, what Biden does in the face of Putin's aggression here because that'll dictate how aggressive they get in their own ends. And, and, I, think, uh, yeah. and, and I think it's almost inevitable that that's going to happen now. And talk about uh, political science. Just on a small scale, I was there Saturday. I watched it. Shannon Burns has to be given the, all the credit. He stood up with a lot of confidence and said, we demand a secret vote. Once they got the secret vote, it was the same vote every time. They had three votes. It was the same amount every time. And Renacci won against what they planned. You know, the Rhinos yeah. wanted Gibbons and DeWine to win that easy. The scanning committee had said, we want Gibbons, we want DeWine. Well, it almost flipped for both of them. It did flip for DeWine. And I'm sure he was embarrassed driving home after coming up there with a guarantee. Well, uh, I, I, I hear that, that he was burns. booed before, and and thank you for the call, Charlie. I hear he was bored, be, uh, booed before and after uh, he spoke. Uh, he knows he is in serious, serious trouble with with Republicans in the state of Ohio. 
if not with the ORP, the Ohio Republican Party, uh, headed up by Bob Paduchek, who refuses to answer questions as to why he shepherded through that, that public vote. Because you're right, what Shannon Burns did, from what I'm told, uh, in uh, forcing the secret vote, or, or, or strongly suggesting the secret vote, is it protected people from backlash from the governor's office. It did exactly that. But in the ORP vote last month, they had a public vote. And therefore, you know, there were a ton of people who were afraid to cross Herr DeWine, if you will. And that's why Bob Paduchik still won't take my calls. Thank you for calling Ohio Republican Party Chairman Bob Paduchik. You have been on hold for nine days. Your call is very important to Chairman Paduchik. Please remain on the line. He'll be with you shortly. calling Ohio Republican Party Chairman Bob Paduchik. You have been on hold for nine days. Your call is very important to Chairman Paduchik. Please remain on the line. He'll be with you shortly. Good thing I'm a patient man. Nine fifty-eight. Let's squeeze in a couple more phone calls here before the top. We'll go to Cleveland. Dave, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I have a concern about Intel uh, coming to Ohio. I thought it was a good thing when I first heard it. It was announced what a week before the State of the Union. Then Joe Biden announces it, and they mentioned twenty billion dollars. Then he mentioned a hundred billion dollars. So they're one of the woke companies, and I'm really worried about something like what's going on in Disney in Florida, where they're going to just go woke on this state. How is that going to affect us? Do you think that they still might have ties to China or, you know... Well, first of all, um, Intel, I don't know if they are going to be as woke as, for example, Disney is, but I I would probably have less concerns about that only because the reason we're concerned about Disney is because of their access to kids. Uh, Intel's, you know, they've just got people on a line sitting there pumping out chips. Um, It's it's not something that's necessarily going to be aimed at our children, which I think is what a lot of us are afraid of. Well, who are they going to hire? There's 10,000 jobs they're talking. Are they going to... Just go for, you know, the minorities and the woke. Well, I again, know. you know, I, I listen. Nobody opposes woke corporations more than me, and I know a lot of people. When they found out what American Express is doing, for example, they're not taking American Express payments in their businesses anymore because it's woke. Uh, there's a lot of people who are doing whatever they can to stop those kinds of companies from gaining traction. But in this case, I think probably uh, just the building of the chips and the manufacturing of the chips, these microchips, which are so important to so many different things that we have, industries in this country, getting a build, I don't care if it's in Ohio or Nebraska or California, is probably going to trump whatever their politics are, at least in the short term. Long term, we'll see, but in the short term, we got to get out of this shortage so that we can actually get industries rolling again. So I kind of sense that's probably the way it's going to go for most Ohioans. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Your opinion is a very good one, and it's a great question. I don't know what the answer is going to be either. 
but um, but I think right now the the fact that they're going to be built is a good thing here. Uh, I still refuse to give Brandon or DeWine much credit for it. Uh, this is kind of a no-brainer, but uh, it's, it, it is something that is going to be important going forward. Going to get a timeout. Top of the hour coming. And we are going to talk with... Who are we going to talk with? Oh, it's Dr. Piper. It's Thursday, for goodness sakes. we got to get out now so we have more time for the brilliance of Dr. Everett Piper. That's next, AM 1420 The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio, hour number two underway, eight minutes past ten o'clock. Appreciate you being with us on this Thursday, the 31st and final morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, I really wish all of these Disney stories had come out tomorrow. Uh, then we would at least have a hope, a shot, that maybe they weren't true and it was a cruel April Fool's joke. But instead they came out yesterday, the leaked videos obtained from a what was supposed to be a private, secret... Uh, Zoom meeting, a, a video Zoom conference call among Disney executives. Christopher Ruffo got a hold of them thanks to a whistleblower and made them all public actually earlier this week instead. So uh, it's not an April Fool's joke. This is real. We're going to have to deal with it. And we're going to have to figure out how we protect our kids from it. Let's bring in our regular Thursday commentator for this issue and many others. Dr. Everett Piper is with us. Dr. Piper is a past university president, knows all about academia and the agendas there. He is also a best-selling author of two tremendous books. He is a weekly columnist for the Washington Times, a radio host of the pod, uh, the uh, Rebellion, the Rebellion podcast in Oklahoma, as well as a candidate for county commissioner in the Sooner State. Uh, Dr. Piper, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. It is, that's the nickname, right? It's, it is Sooner State, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just want to that's, make sure that, I didn't mess it up. <laughs> no, no, you've got it right. As you are in the Buckeye State, we are in the Sooner State. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, Ohio State is the largest dominant university here. It's easy to remember Buckeye, but you got Cowboys in Stillwater there, so I just wasn't sure which one, you know. Oh, which... be careful, be careful, be careful. <laughs> now you now you offended a lot of people. <laughs> uh, well, it's a good thing the only people I'm offending are in, o- in Ohio, because we're not you know, in Oklahoma. <laughs> If I start st- talking about Michigan State Spartans or Michigan Wolverines on your show, <laughs> we're going to have trouble, aren't we? Wow. So Bedlam is real in Oklahoma, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, and and remember, we've got open carry down here, so it can get ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. All right, Dr. Piper, I'm going to play for you a short series of videos from uh, uh, the expose that has been done here. That What they were calling this is the Reimagine Tomorrow Conference among Disney executives, and some of the things that came out of that have just pulled the curtain all the way back. Everybody now knows what is going on at Disney. This is full-on indoctrination and grooming of children to erase their identities, erase their sexes, and to sexualize them from essentially the moment they can recognize a pair of Mickey Mouse ears. Listen. And like the, the our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda. And so like I, I feel like I felt like it was I mean like maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess like something must have happened in the last like like they are turning it around, they're going hard, and then all that like momentum that I felt like that 
sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background. This Like I was just wherever I could just basically adding queerness to like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me. No one would stop me from queering up as much of the shows as I possibly could, said executive producer Latoya Raveno. This is Disney production coordinator Alan March. The more centered a story is on a character, the more nuanced you get to get into their story. And especially with like trans characters, you can't see if someone is trans. There's not one way to look trans. And so kind of the only way to have these like canonical trans characters, canonical asexual characters, canonical bisexual characters is to give them stories where they can like be their whole selves. If the kids can't tell someone is trans or bisexual or asexual or pansexual, we need to make sure that those things are in the stories. So everybody knows that these are uh, abnormally um, uh, sexualized characters. And one more from Disney corporate president, Carrie Burke. Um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of queer leads in our content. And I went, what? I, that can't be true. And I, and I, and I realized, oh, it, it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories. And, and, and yet we don't have enough leads. Um, and narratives in which gay characters just just get to be characters um, and and not have to be about gay stories. And so um, that's been very eye-opening for me. Carrie Burke went on to say that she is the mother of a transgender child and a pansexual child, which I believe is probably a statistical impossibility unless her children were being indoctrinated by their warped mother. She also said she wants a minimum of 50% of characters in future Disney productions to be LGBTQIA. I don't even know what the last two letters stand for now. They change this alphabet so every so often. And racial minorities. So, Dr. Piper, there's three clips that give people a real general idea of what Disney is up to. How important is it that we keep our children away from everything and anything Disney? Well, the first thing I'd like to say after listening to those clips, is it okay if I respond to you, Bob, without using the word like uh, five, 10, 15 times in trying to construct a sentence? These people, (laughs) for this agenda or otherwise, they can't communicate effectively without sounding like a valley girl. Just cause my eyes to cross, and they lose any, any modicum of respect when they butcher the English language by saying like this, like that, like this, like that. I'm t- I, I stop listening. I don't care what your agenda is. I don't care what you're promoting. If you can't communicate without sounding like you're a 14-year-old valley girl, you have no credibility. So can I just say that before we get into the real issue here? I recognize and respect that, too. And I think one of the reasons, by the way, before you give your, your analysis of that, is because they they know that the things that they're saying are extraordinarily wrong and inappropriate, and they're trying to find a way to put the best veneer, the best facade on what they are trying to do, what that what that agenda is. And that's why they're struggling to um, to communicate it very effectively, because they really have to pick and choose their words carefully. How far can I push this, I think, is probably what's going through their minds. Yeah. 
All right, so back to the key issue here. Again, allow me. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful you allowed me to go off on that tangent because that's a pet peeve of mine. Oh, my land. So anyway, back to the issue. They've exposed themselves for something that we've known they were doing. But yet the conservative mom and dad, the conservative Christian, the conservative person out there that just wanted to protect the innocence of his son or his daughter has been maligned, and we've been mocked for bringing up uh, various different Disney cartoons and asking good questions. You know, what are you trying to say about The Little Mermaid? What are you trying to say about this particular character in Beauty and the Beast? Or whatever the issue was, we were the ones who were accused of playing a Beatles album backwards and finding Satan and homosexuality in every single Disney cartoon. But yet, now they've exposed themselves for... And they've admitted that they've been doing this for some time, and then they're going to double down and continue to do it. So my key question, without going into all of those facts, because now we know them, is this. What will we do as parents? Are we going to be like the angry moms in Virginia and rise up and say, no, you're not going to steal my son's soul. You're not going to degrade my daughter's dignity by stealing her very identity when she's a young child watching a Disney cartoon. You won't do this to my child any longer. I have the responsibility. It's my child, not yours. It is my responsibility to protect them and to train them up in the way they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from that. And if I let you indoctrinate them at the youngest age, I, as a parent, am guilty of child abuse. So my response, Bob, to this particular story is, parents, it is time for you to act like it and say no. You will do this no longer. We've got proof that it works because we have Yunkin as governor of Virginia right now because of an angry mom. There's nothing more intimidating than an angry mom. So moms that are listening to me right now, it's time for you to rise up and say no. You will not butcher my child's heart, mind, and soul any longer. I would uh, just dovetail off of that and tell anybody that's already got their Disney cruise booked, cancel it. If you've got your Disney vacation to the Magic Kingdom in Orlando, cancel it. If you are subscribing right now to Disney+, Plus, which usually includes in the bundle of streaming services, Woke ESPN, owned by Disney, and ABC, owned by Disney. All of those uh, those streaming services, anything owned by Disney, you must get rid of. You have to hit them where it hurts if you want to protect your children. And if, by the way, you do wander into one of their parks with your impressionable children, this is how they're going to be greeted. So we no longer say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, we, we've trained, we, we've provided training for all of our, our cast members in, in relationship to that. So now they know it's, it's hello, everyone, or hello, friends. We, we are in the process of changing over those those recorded messages, and so many of you are probably familiar when we brought the fireworks back to the Magic Kingdom. We no longer say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we say dreamers of all ages. And so I- boys and girls don't exist anymore, Dr. Piper. There's, they're just all dreamers. They're just dreamers, and they're just things uh, that are not apparently created in the image of God. Uh, they're just beings who do not have a, a sex. And. And this is not a minor issue. Everybody's going to listen to us today, Bob, and say, well, boycotts don't work. We've tried this before. And, you know, there's still a lot of good stuff in a Disney cartoon. Are you suggesting that Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse are evil and Donald Duck and whatnot? That's the kind of response that some will venture reacting to what we're talking about right now. This is a major issue. And I'm going to point to perhaps a segue to another 
commentary on today's show with you, and that is this is a major issue that leads to a Supreme Court nominee not being able to answer, answer the question, can you provide a definition to the word woman? If you can't define what a boy is, if you can't define what a girl is, if you can't define ladies and gentlemen, if it's all innocuous, androgynous nonsense that we meld together into welcome everyone, you've lost the very definition of basic words that allow us to communicate with one another. And there's an Old Testament story that talks of this. It's called the Tower of Babel. If you no longer have words that are understood to convey the common uh, reality of your daily life, if you can't communicate effectively about basic biological facts of our existence, then we live in a Tower of Babel. And that story tells us that when a nation can't communicate with itself any longer, it crumbles, it falls, and we are crushed by the residual effects of that particular destruction of our very culture, because we can't even use words effectively any longer. Well, as long as we're referencing Bible stories and you talk about the Tower of Babel, I'll just give you this, which is which is satire from the Babylon Bee, but it just works. Disney unveils exciting new Sodom and Gomorrah attraction. While waiting in line, small children and their parents will be educated by a voice recording about masturbation, the gender unicorn, safe kink, abortion, and BDSM. Once they board the ride, they will be treated to the thrill of a lifetime as the little cars take them through an ancient city smoldering with fire and brimstone. If anybody can do it, the Babylon Bee can do it, Dr. Piper. And I tell you what, it may be satire, but only by a little bit. It's only by a little bit. We'll take this time out. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about this thing. And and, and why not talk about, since uh, Disney is erasing the meaning of boy and girl, ladies and gentlemen, why shouldn't the next Supreme Court justice do the same thing? Dr. Piper wrote about it. We'll talk to him about it next. Okay, 1023, we continue now with Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, Dr. Piper, I think the entire country was transfixed by this uh, uh, these uh, nomination confirmation hearings last week with Ketanji Brown-Jackson being asked very difficult questions about her record of sentencing child pornographers and child pornography users and being soft on a lot of other very serious crimes. But they were also just trying to figure out how can a woman who has been picked as the nominee for the Supreme Court because she's a woman and because she's black, not be able to identify or define what the word woman really means. We all watched it. You wrote about it, Doctor. Take it away. Well, I'm going to recommend a book to everyone. It's not one of mine. Um, It's a book by Noelle Maring, M-E-R-I-N-G. She's recently wrote a book, and it's titled Awake, Not Woke. Awake, Not Woke. The reason I'm recommending this book is she's spot on. She's been on Fox News recently discussing everything that we're talking about right now because the woke culture can be defined simply as a culture that butchers the English language and butchers the definition of everything. The woke movement is a movement that's essentially grounded in the the, the Gnosticism, I'll say that one more time, the Gnosticism of 2,000 years ago, which denies the body, denies the material, denies the facts before your very eyes in favor of superior knowledge, the way you feel. Your opinions become more important than pursuing the truth. I just defined the woke movement for you, and Noelle Maring does a super job of doing that at book length. In her book, she basically 
critiques this. Uh, she doesn't mean to do it because she wrote the book before the confirmation hearings of this Supreme Court no- uh, nominee. But she is actually giving us the context to understand what's going on. If you can't define who you are, you're a woman, and you can't provide a definition for who you are, then all is lost. If you have taken a pledge, if you have made an oath as this, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Brown. Katanji Brown Jackson, yeah. If, if you can't tell me that your oath of office, which you've already taken as a sitting judge, which calls upon you to administer justice without respect to person, if you don't know the definition of a person, how can you administer justice to that individual? You don't even know who they are. For example, Title IX calls upon you to administer justice to women because women have equal rights to the athletic field and to the shower, and to the bathroom, and to the locker room. If you can't define a person, if you can't define a woman, then Title IX is a joke. It's meaningless. It's, again, akin to the Tower of Babel. We live, we live in a time where we can't communicate effectively any longer, and here's what Noel Maring warns of. When that time comes where we can't even understand what another person is saying, what happens? We lose trust. We don't trust them. And we become reserved, we become angry, we become vitriolic because all trust is lost because we can't even communicate on the basics of our daily existence and daily reality. Dr. Piper, I want to wrap this uh, today uh, with the last two and a half minutes going to your state. The Oklahoma governor has signed a bill barring male students from girls' sports. This is happening in a handful of other red states with red governors doing the right thing, even though some had took some time to come around, like Christy Nome in uh, South Dakota. She eventually got it right. Um, can you t- tell us uh, if you think this is, you know, what kind of sign do you think this is uh, from a broader perspective? I think it's a great sign that certain states, uh, DeSantis, thank the Lord for Ron DeSantis, he's a leader. Amen. Uh, I'm grateful for these other governors that are following him, but I also have to remind people that they needed DeSantis to take the lead, and now they're jumping on board. Good. Great thing. What we need to be very concerned about right now is what happened when uh, we were, uh, the, the, the traditional marriage movement. We, we forget that California voted for traditional marriage. And then we got a Supreme Court that overruled it. That's what we need to be concerned about. We've got a lot of governors taking the lead, from DeSantis to Oklahoma's governor, Kevin Stitt, to Christy Noem, et cetera. We have governors that are doing the right thing, and those legislatures underneath them in their respective states, thank you, we're grateful. But if we've got a Supreme Court that's going to overrule this, we, as a group of people, need to decide if we're just going to say no. No. We're going to respond to the Supreme Court. We're going to respond to the federal government, as I did when I was president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and Obama sent me a letter saying you've got to provide transgender accommodations. I sent a note back saying, no, I will not do this. And you know what happened, Bob? The Obama administration backed down. They backed down. I said, sue me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to comply with Title IX. I refused to degrade women and suggest that they're not even real and take away their identity and besmirch their dignity. I will not do it, President Obama. No. We have to be prepared to say no, because I don't think states are going to be the end of the story, especially if uh, Brown Jackson is confirmed, which she probably will be. 
I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I did not know that after all of these uh, this time talking to you the last few years, uh, I did not know that you uh, rebuffed uh, the order by by President Obama, and I assume that he was threatening you with a loss of federal funds if you didn't, right? Absolutely, because if you're out of compliance with Title IX, which is what he was claiming I was, that's the irony. They're using Title IX as justification to take women's sports away from them. And I said, are you out of your mind? The answer is no. I can't comply with Title IX if I buy your argument that women don't even exist, that they're nothing but unicorns and leprechauns. Did he he then try to uh, 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 withhold funds from your university? Here's the thing. This was at the peak of the Obama administration. I had the Alliance Defending Freedom send them a letter saying what I just said, but dressing it up with legalese a little bit. And I got a response back from Health and Human Services and the Department of Education under the Obama administration to say, okay, you've got an exemption. Okay? Wow. They weren't ready They weren't ready to fight at that time. We can talk about this on another show if you want. We're going to make a point of that, no question about it. That, that, that deserves some applause right there. I don't care if it is a few years late. That is applause-worthy. Dr. Piper stood up to the Obama uh, ridiculousness and won. Dr. Everett Piper, always a pleasure. Thank you for the great conversation. We'll talk soon. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dr. Piper. It's 1030. We'll take a time out now. That was outstanding. I was so glad to hear that. Uh, We'll take a time out here for news. Always Right Radio returns with Jonas Schultz for Congress next. AM 1420, The Answer. With Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Speaking of Always Right, make sure you go to alwaysright.us. Always great content uh, that we are putting up there each and every day. The lead stories at alwaysright.us right now. Mike DeWine's new ad campaign declaring him to be a fighter. And then the story of Mike DeWine refusing to fight Jim Renacci. He's declining the debate invitation by the Ohio Debate Commission. Also, six good minutes on why the Will Smith slap was real. That was from yesterday's show. We've also got uh, the Disney grooming video and the latest France rants. The story about Sodom and Gomorrah, satire from the Babylon Bee, but not by much, is up. You can read that entire thing as well. And remember last week on Wednesday, last Wednesday, we did the uh, Save Our Schools Town Hall in Strongsville along with Jim Renacci, John Stover, and Peter Kersenow. That entire town hall meeting is now up and online uh, right now on the uh, alwaysright.us. Oh, and one more quickie. The the tougher one to watch is the 10-minute video on the war on children, which really, really explains the not just national but globalist movement to sexualize children for the purpose of breaking up nuclear families and, quite frankly, breaking up um, the the foundation of the United States. So it's a must-watch video, the 10 minutes, the sexual grooming of our kids. It's called The War on Children. Find that right now on alwaysright.us. Uh, let's welcome to the program now Jonas Schultz. It's been a little bit since we have talked to the candidate for Congress. I won't say which district because I still don't know what district he's going to be running in. But he's still running for Congress, and he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Jonah, good morning. Morning, Bob. Always great to be on. It looks like we're going to be in the 7th District with the Supreme Court letting uh, the maps 
uh, stand for this year. That looks to be the way it's going. Is it confirmed yet, though? I mean, from what I understand, it was a modified version of the last map. They didn't go back to the drawing board and start all over, but it was a modified version of the last map rejected by Maureen O'Connor, the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, and the Democrats she sided with. Um, But uh, is, is 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 it official now? Well, the Supreme Court has stated that they're not going to be ruling on anything until after the, on the congressional maps until after the May 3rd primary, so effectively leaving the congressional maps uh, in place for 2022 at the least. Got it. Okay, so so you went from the 7th uh, in, to the 13th. No, I'm sorry, you went from the 13th to the 7th, and then it was up in the air. You might be back in the 13th or in a new one altogether. How do you feel about your spot now? Because this isn't originally why you ran. You originally ran to replace and remove Anthony Gonzalez. Um, and so now you're not in that fight. So tell me how you feel about this one. Well, I love the new 7th District, the way it's laid out. You know, when I first launched this campaign in the 16th District against Anthony Gonzalez, we knew we were going or from 16th. 16th. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm and, sorry. I made, I, my mistake. Go ahead. And and, and we knew that uh, there was going to be some changing, but this 7th District keeps in place, the, you know, the large majority of those communities from the 16th District, so it's great to have 100% of Wayne County back in the mix. I spent a lot of time campaigning there over the summer, a lot of great conservative Republicans down in Wayne County. We have 100% of Medina County, and we have Southern and Western Cuyahoga County as well. It's great to have Parma back in the new 7th District. A lot of these blue-collar, working-class conservatives, a lot of these new America First conservatives and Republicans who uh, voted Democrat for a long time, but they see, they, they see now what they've seen for uh, decades at this point, the Democrats really hollowing out American manufacturing and, and destroying the livelihoods of, of middle-class Americans. So this district is is full of people who are hungry for outsiders, but who are hungry for working class candidates. And that's why, you know, I'm so optimistic about my chances, because, you know, I'm I'm really the only working class blue collar candidate currently in this race. And and that's what the people want. We have this oligarchy that we are living under of these wealthy elitists, this kind of country club politician. And and that needs to be a thing of the past if we're going to turn this around. So the new 7th District, I'm a big fan of it. I'm excited for the next five weeks of, of being able to get out and campaign and, and do lots of things, attend gun shows, talk directly to voters. And, and, and as we look at it right now, there's a lot of strong conservatives in this district that can be happier about it. Joni, you said you're the only working class blue collar candidate in this race. Um, Max Miller would probably disagree with that. Um, how do you characterize him? Well, Max Miller, listen, you know, we're still waiting on it. We, we just launched a, a debate request again yesterday. We're, we're trying to put that together. So I believe everybody deserves, every voter deserves a chance to see us on stage. But with Max Miller, it, it, it can be difficult sometimes because he really doesn't have a, a platform. It's hard to differentiate ourselves specifically on the issues. You know, and that's why one reason I really want to have a debate. But, you know, Max Miller to me, is everything that is wrong with our politics right now, where you have an individual who hasn't lived in the district or in the, in the state uh, for, for many years until he buys a half a million dollar house in Rocky River just to run this race. And, you know, it's not just me. It's many voters. Every district, every event that I go to, I have people coming up to me that say, I never see your opposition. Uh, you know, people have come up to me and said that Max Miller to them is like a ghost because they can't talk to him. They can't reach him. And they have seen that there is not much work ethic, there is not much grit behind this campaign, and it's just trying to, his campaign is just trying to coast off of the big money, $750,000 from out-of-state 
donors. Uh, the you know the majority uh, of of what he's raising coming from out of state, coming from PACs, coming from corporate donors, and we are seeing the same patterns over and over with all of these candidates who say they are something different, who say they're America first, but they are following the exact same template as people like Anthony Gonzalez, as all of these Republicans who have stabbed us in the back in the past. You know, I'm the only candidate who has laid out an America first candidate who has stood on the front lines with nurses, teachers, you know, tradesmen, workers fighting these unconstitutional mandates. While Max Miller called House Bill 248 a radical bill and refused to sign the ballot initiative petition. And, you know, I'm the only candidate funded 100 percent by individual contributions. If we're going to change this country, if we're going to change this district, we're not going to be doing it by electing the same people who do the exact same things, who regurgitate the exact same talking points that we hear over and over again. It has to be about action over words, and that's what my campaign's about. We're talking to Jonas Schultz, candidate for Congress now. It's going to be in the 7th District after the latest redrawing or modification of the maps, uh, which apparently are not going to be challenged until after the May 3rd primary, so there will be a vote. That's good. John, I notice you say America first a lot, but you don't say Trump. Um, hardly ever, unless I'm missing it. You you talk in a lot of places, and I I can't be everywhere. But from what I've noticed, you haven't talked about Trump a lot. It seems like most of the people running for office in Washington right now, and even in in uh, you know for for governor of Ohio, there's a lot of I want Trump's endorsement. Trump, 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 Trump. I don't hear you saying his name much, but you do talk about America first. Am I am I mistaken there? And if not, why is that the case? Well, I'm a Trump supporter, and I'll, I'll make uh, no bones about that. But the one thing that I often say to folks is that Trump began a movement, this America First movement that is bigger than any one individual. And I think we need to look at America First as generations into the future. It's not going to begin and end with Trump. And for me as, as myself, I, I, I want to put myself out there as much as I possibly can as an individual. These are These are my ideas. This is what I believe. I'm not trying to ride anybody's coattails. This, you know, I support Trump. I support the America First agenda. But we need to talk about what America First means. When we talk about America First immigration policy, it means putting the people first. It means building a wall. It means securing our people. It means <clears throat> it means ending this massive legal immigration that's dragging down workers' wages, that is diluting our culture, that is making it impossible for us to have a cohesive language and society. When we talk about America First energy policy, it means not depending on Russia and Iran and Saudi Arabia and all these countries that hate us to get energy. It means drilling here at home. It means expanding uh, energy choices and affordability for Americans here at home. When you look at everything that we need to accomplish, America First, to me, really defines it all. Because what we are trying to do, what am I trying to do when I get to D.C., is push the power out of the federal government and return it to our families, return it to individuals, return it to the states. That's what America First means, because if we are able to prioritize workers, families, children, we're going to live in a great country. And so my belief is that Trump started a great movement that we all need to take up. And whether he runs for re-election or not, whether he wins or not, he's one guy. And we need people who understand these same principles and can stand on their own two feet without just trying to staple themselves to Trump uh, and, and can prioritize these things for the American people. Because I'm one of 435 I'm elected. Senators are one of 100. One president cannot do this on their own. We need a massive movement, what I call the American America, and many others call the America First movement. And so for me, Trump started a fire that we need to move forward. 
Jonah, you said at the beginning that um, you've been failing to come to an agreement, or what did you mean when you said you couldn't get a debate scheduled with, with him? What's the holdup? Well, well, we've been pushing for a debate uh, with, with Max Miller for about 10 months now. Uh, now the, the, the excuse has been for a long time waiting on the redistricting. Well, now we're five weeks away from Election Day. The 7th District is, is all but officially intact. It, it's time to stand in front of the people. So we, we issued and directly sent to the campaigns of Bob Gibbs and Max Miller a, a debate request that we'll work with them to organize a fair and honest debate. For me, this is a prerequisite for serving the people. If you want to represent the people and be a public servant, you need to stand in front of them and answer questions and show why you are the best candidate to serve them. Uh, and, and quite honestly, we have a lot of we have a lot of uh, candidates, you know, Maxwell included, that will say, "I'm going to stand up to Nancy Pelosi. I'm going to stand up to the swamp." Well, if you don't stand up to Jonah Schultz first, I don't believe that you should get that opportunity. So that's why we're pushing so hard for a debate because, for me, it's a prerequisite, and it shows that at the very least, you're willing to put yourself in the line of fire in front of the people and show that you're willing to work for them. Jonah, last question is going to be about Bob Gibbs, because again, I, I, I referenced Max Miller first because that's how this whole thing started. You were both Republicans vying for an open seat, which was going to be Anthony Gonzalez because he is not running for re-election. And of course, now that everything got changed, you do have an incumbent there. So um, I asked you about Miller. Let me ask you about Gibbs now. How do you separate yourself? Well, you know, Bob Gibbs... It- Unfortunately, and, and even in his district, and, and most of this is, is not any area that he's ever represented, but he is, he's not known, even, even known by most of his constituents. You know, he's one of the Chamber of Commerce Republicans. He's actually received a U.S. Chamber of Commerce award every year he's been in office, and, and he, he called them a tireless advocate for pro-growth policies. And we know the Chamber of Commerce is doing everything it can to drag down American wages and open our borders. Uh, and the vast majority of his funding is coming from PACs and corporations. And, and so Bob Gibbs, you know, he, he is just a representation of more of the same. And, and you know, people will hype up the rhetoric. They'll, they'll do more things when it comes time for an election. Uh, but then they'll shrink back into the shadows. And, and we need, like I said last time I was on, we need to go boldly forward. If we continue to allow the same Republicans who have steered the ship, uh, you know, really off a cliff for us to, to maintain their grip on the levers of power, we're going to wind, our, wind up in the same situation, having these same conversations in two, four, six years. America does not have that kind of time. We need to start turning things around now. So for me, you have an individual like Bob Gibbs, who isn't out on the front lines, who isn't working on so many of these major issues, who aligns himself with a corporate interest. And that's just not acceptable anymore when so much is on the line, when the American people, the average everyday working class person is seeing their livelihoods put at risk or completely taken away from them, whether it's through mandates, whether it's through our disastrous energy policy, whether it's through this massive immigration that is stealing our jobs and lowering our wages. All of this is happening, and it's happened under Democrat and establishment Republican watch. And if we don't have a changing of the guard, we can expect more of the same. Yeah, in uh, 2020, Gibbs ran unopposed in the Republican primary. He's uh, he's pretty popular in his district, even though you say that he doesn't, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of a feel for him. But he ran unopposed, and then he um, he won easily 67% to about 29% over the Democrat candidate in the general there. So it's probably a little bit of a different challenge than you were expecting when you started to run against the non-incumbent uh, 16th district or for the non-incumbent uh, 16th district uh, seat. Uh, but the challenge is before you. And 
And at least you know when it's going to be fought. You're going to actually have to have this vote on May 3rd. So uh, that's good news. And uh, Jonah Schultz, I always appreciate you coming on and artic- articulating your point of view. And uh, best of luck to you, sir. Well, thanks, Bob. And, and that's the same thing with Gibbs. That's why we want to have Matt, Gibbs, and myself on a, all on a stage to give the people that opportunity. So for those of you who haven't, go to SchultzForCongress.com and, and contact your potential representatives about having this debate. Well, I'll tell you what, Jonah, if they don't uh, if they don't agree to do it on a stage, we can do it on the radio. We can just, all three of our, or four of us, rather, can just get together and I'll I'll do it live on this program. I'll devote all three hours to it if you guys want, and we'll put everybody together and go head-to-head-to-head, to head to head, and I'll ask all the fair and tough questions and, and make it happen one way or the other. If they don't want to do it on a stage, they can do it on their phone. that work for you? Absolutely, 100%. All right, well, let me know if we can put that together. We'll reach out, too. Jonah Schultz, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Bob. 1053. Uh, let's see. It's time for a break. Um, Mr. President, would you uh, would you take us in? Random talking Trump dog. You know, I have many millions between Facebook and Twitter. It's great. It's like owning a newspaper without the losses. It's incredible. Except they booted you from the platforms, the cowards. Back after this. Ten fifty-seven now, AM fourteen twenty. The answer, always right. Radio. Thanks to Jonah Schultz. Thanks to Doctor Everett Piper. We had guests both half hours this hour. But good news for you, if you want to speak, uh, we are guest free in hour number three. So this is your opportunity. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Either one of those numbers works just fine. As does. The uh, sound off button on my webpage, alwayswrite.us. I'm adding new content to that page every single day. And from what I'm told, people are kind of liking the new website. Hi, Bob. I just wanted to tell you what a great website you have. I listen to you almost every day. And when I can't, I go back and listen later on your website. Thanks for helping make all this crazy world a little bit funnier and a lot easier you're doing a great job, and we're glad to have you on our side. Let's go, Brandon. Well, let's go, Brandon, indeed. Thank you, Helene in Cleveland. I had that in the first hour, and I wanted to play it again because I loved it so much. By the way, I'm not making it funnier. The clowns who are running our government are the ones making it funnier. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. telling you, I like the beat. Let's go, Brandon. And I can't dance to it, but only because I can't dance. But I enjoy every second of it. By the way, reminder, you can get your Let's Go Brandon t-shirts along with extraordinary amounts of other patriotic conservative gear on the webpage at alwayswrite.us, on the web store, rather. The 0% liberal, the Let's Go Brandon, the uh, shut up and stand up. Social distancing becoming socialism distancing. You got to check it out for yourself. There's a lot of great, uh, great uh, uh, t-shirts, hoodies, uh, long sleeve shirts, sweatshirts. Uh, they don't want science. They want compliance. Ban criminal race theory. That's my favorite one, by the way. Of all of the shirts that we have available uh, at alwayswrite.us on the web store, I'm quickly becoming a bigger fan of ban criminal race theory uh, than any of them. Of course, it's called critical race theory, but I stumbled and said criminal race theory on the air about a month ago and said, you know what, that sounds better because it is criminal what they are trying to do with that to this country. 
So we put the banned criminal race theory T-shirts on sale. Check them out now, alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. Click on the web store button and uh, find your gear. Hour number three coming up. Your calls, AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. And hour number three is underway. On this Thursday, the 31st morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022. April Fool's Day tomorrow. Uh, probably not going to do the pranking thing. Not really in the mood for it, to be honest with you. I just wish so much of the news that we have been covering this week had been saved for Friday. So that we could kind of like, I don't know, is there a hope that maybe that's just a joke? That maybe it's just an April 1st joke? I would really, really like that to not be real. But sadly, as we are finding out, everything that we are dealing with right now, particularly involving your kids, uh, the groomers at Disney, uh, the intentional indoctrination, all of that stuff is real. By the way, you know, there's one thing I didn't give you yesterday, or in the first hour, uh, excuse me, in the uh, 10 o'clock hour, 10 to 10.30, when I talked to Dr. Piper about all the Disney uh, latest, the one thing I didn't give you was Governor Ron DeSantis pointing out the hypocrisy of it all. I mean, just brief recap for, for those who don't know all about it, and maybe you've missed a couple of days of shows. Uh, Disney is going nuts over the fact that Ron DeSantis signed the Parental Rights Act in Florida, which simply says we as parents do not want teachers uh, to be allowed to teach sex to our kids when they are ages 5, 6, 7, and 8. In other words, K through 3rd grade. Now, some people have left messages from me saying, why 3rd grade? Why are we stopping there? Why can't that go higher? And I agree. But as I said prior to that, um, I think the primary reason is they just wanted to fight uh, that they could win. They don't want to say K through 6 or K through 7 and then people, oh, it's not realistic. If you don't think the kids know about sex when they're in 7th grade, junior high, or 6th grade, middle school, you know, you're just lying. So I think they tried to make it something that shouldn't be controversial. That our kids are not sexual beings and should not be treated as such in K through 3, right? So that's the reason why Ron DeSantis signed it, and it makes perfect sense. Kids should not be taught about straight sex or gay sex or any other kind of sex at that young age. Well, Disney, who is fully, full-on woke, you can't even call it the, the wonderful world of Disney anymore. It's the woke world of Disney. 
And they are full on with the LBGTQ Rainbow Mafia agenda. That's just it. And we've played executive after executive, producers, presidents, and so on within the corporation, and all of their commitment to bringing as much queerness, as they call it, not me, uh, into Disney products and presentations as humanly possible. In the park, on the screen, on the television, everywhere, it's going to be all about LGBTQ. And they're pledging and promising to fight uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and fighting the Florida legislature, which passed the bill that they call the Don't Say Gay bill, which, of course, has nothing to do with saying gay. Well, Ron DeSantis, not last night, but actually uh, Tuesday night, and this is why I missed it yesterday, you know, had to point out the hypocrisy of Disney. Because while Disney is rebelling against their home state of Florida for passing the uh, the bill that gives parents the rights to say, hey, schools, I'll teach my kids about sex. I'll teach my kids about any of that stuff. It's not your place, especially when they're that young. Despite their outrage there, they, they, they have no such outrage when it comes to selling expensive thousands of dollars tours to countries, talking about Disney cruises, to countries where homosexuality is flat out illegal where they will literally punish you for being gay or engaging in gay acts. Listen to gov- the governor. Well, and especially, Tucker, you got to wonder, like, why is the hill to die on to have transgenderism injected into kindergarten classrooms or woke gender ideology injected into second grade classroom? Why is that the hill to die on? Meanwhile, if we had done a bill that prohibited Uh, talking about the abuse of Uyghurs in China, Disney would have supported that legislation because they don't want to say a word about that. So it's just an odd manifestation of their corporate values that they actually do Disney cruises, Tucker, to the nation of Dominica, which criminalizes homosexuality. So they're fine doing that and lining their pockets. They're fine lining their pockets from the CCP and all the atrocities that go on there. But it's those kindergartners in Florida that they really want to have transgenderism uh, as part of their core curriculum in school. And not just transgenderism, but all of the other alphabet soup that the, um, uh, that the Rainbow Mafia pushes. But what about it? What about what Ron DeSantis just said? Nobody on the left, which is all supportive of Disney and gay rights and trans rights and so on, never mind the fact that they represent a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of the population that the rest of the population the 98 percent plus that do not fall into one of those um indoctrinational categories that the rest of us have to change the way we hear things the way we say things the way we experiencing things experience things all to placate that tiny tiny percentage that tiny tiny minority of the population how about us in the meantime, Disney is, is indeed still selling cruises to you know small island nations that are indeed, as you just heard, uh, places that criminalize homosexuality. They, they continue to do massive business with communist China. They're so concerned about the rights of people. What about the rights of the Uyghur Muslims to not be put into concentration camps? to not be put into uh, death camps, to not be executed, to not be uh, forcibly sterilized or castrated, etc., and all of the other things that are being done in China to millions of people. Nope. 
we're going to close our eyes and sing, it's a woke world after all, when we look at those things. But when it comes to Florida, what? You won't teach kindergartners that they don't have to be boys, that they don't want to be boys, they can be girls? You won't teach first graders that they can be pansexual, that they can be attracted to just about anything that moves? We want to be able to teach all of those things. And by the way, that's what pansexual is. That one Disney executive that I played for you before who said that she has a uh, she has five children. One of them is trans, and the other one is pansexual. Now, I wish I knew the ages of those children, but I'm going to go ahead and bet and guess that those children are still in their single digits. They're still in their very, very young, childlike minds, and that they have indeed been indoctrinated. They have been, they have been uh, essentially forced to endure the training and the grooming from their own mother. Because children shouldn't be describing themselves in any way, shape, or form as sexual beings, much less pansexual. Do you know what pansexual means? The definition of it, I had to look it up. I mean, I, I kind of got so many of these things you have to look up because they're not real. They're inventions. They're creations uh, in a modern world where they try to justify um, you know, all of the, the kind of indoctrination that they're doing. So they're making up a lot of these things. In fact, all... They're making up all but two. There's male and there's female. There's man and there's woman. There's XX and there's XY, and that's it. All of the rest of them are fabricated. They're made up. But the one called pansexual says uh, the person has an attraction, a sexual attraction to basically all kinds of living things. Boys, girls, non-boys and girls, animals, I mean, it's it's insane, but literally, that's what she's bragging about. My child is pansexual, attracted to pretty much anything that moves. That's just simply repulsive. As is this, if I can do this real quick. This is part of, we've been focusing, focusing so much on this story in the last few days about the Disney portion. Let's talk about the academic portion. Let's talk about the schools. Uh, that's why we did the event on Wednesday, last Wednesday, the 23rd, in Strongsville. We had the uh, Save Our Schools Town Hall, in which we were talking about this indoctrination stuff going on in the schools. Well, this is a teacher talking on MSNBC about his desire to share his details of his love life with his kindergarten class. And he's upset that he can't talk about his love life with his partner, his gay partner, with the kindergartners anymore because they're not allowed to teach this stuff to kindergartners. Listen how upset he is. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's twofold. It really hits hard um, in my heart professionally. And uh, Florida teacher, obviously, that was the point here. Personally, both. Uh, professionally, it, it truly makes me feel like um, I am not trusted as a professional. Um, I know my kindergarten standards through and through, and um, nowhere in our curriculum does it have anything about um, teaching sexual orientation or sexual identity. See, this is a dodge that the the Rainbow Mafia engages in here, and it's a tactic that they use. It's not. It's just like CRT. Critical race theory is not being taught here. Show us in the curriculum where we are sh- teaching CRT. Show us in the curriculum where we are teaching gender fluidity and gender theory. 
And they're right. It's not in the curriculum, and that's their defense. But it's a dodge because they are just doing it off the books. They're doing it without having planned lessons on those things, but just telling the kids and encouraging the kids to make sure that they identify their pronouns. That's not a lesson plan. That's not in the curriculum. But you identify your pronouns. And if you think you're special and you're not what your designated or assigned uh, sex at birth was, well, then you go ahead and you let us know. And we'll make sure mom and dad don't get told. Well, you, your secret is safe with us, but we'll let you be who you want to be here. Encouraging these young, impressionable children, ages five, six, seven, eight, encouraging them to engage in this sort of this behavior, to create this sort of imaginary lifestyle for themselves, because it helps these people, like this teacher, normalize their own situations. So let's continue. Um, so for them to, to say that, that, that that's happening, um, that, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, we should be able to have discussions, and, and that's what we're encouraging. Bingo. There it is. It's not in the curriculum, but we should be able, be able to have discussions about our gay lifestyle with our students and make them comfortable with the gay lifestyle. That's what he's saying. We should do in kindergarten. And then personally, because, um, you know, my, my kids do have questions. They want to know who the, uh, my partner is in pictures yeah. outside of my classroom, and I should be able to speak to that. Um, no, they don't. And no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have pictures of your gay partner outside your classroom to prompt questions from anybody as to who that is. I still remember kindergarten. For most people, our memories start to form at age five, which is when you're in kindergarten. For most people. Now, a lot of parents now start their kids at six and go to another year of preschool, whatever. I remember my kindergarten teacher very, very well, Mrs. Baldoff. She was a, an icon in Elyria schools. Uh, this is when I went to public school K through five. I started at Catholic school in grade six. But I remember Mrs. Baldoff, and the only thing I can tell you about Mrs. Baldoff, the only thing I knew about her was the pearl necklace she wore around her neck. That's the memory that I have. No pictures, no conversations about Mr. Baldoff, no conversations about her children, her vacations, her dining out, her paddle boarding with her partners. I just remember her as Mrs. Baldoff. And she always wore a pearl necklace. That's all I remember. She always wore that around her neck. She was the sweetest woman I think I've ever been taught by <laughs> all the way through college. And I, that's all I remember from her. She never once tried to tell me about her social life because it's not what kindergartners need to hear. So do you worry that you won't even be able to talk about your own personal home life? I mean, I have a child in kindergarten right now. I know exactly that my, my child has two teachers, one of which has a daughter at home um, and is single. The other is married and has four children. I, I know everything about their lives because my kid tells me. And you shouldn't, and neither should they, because your kid's teacher is failing them. Unless they're teaching the ABCs, number lines, simple mathematics, counting, simple elementary level kindergarten lessons, if, that's, if they're doing anything more than that, they are doing a disservice to your child. Your child should have no clue, and neither should you, about their personal lives, because that's not education. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are 100% correct. Um, that's what we do as educators. We build relationships with our kids. And in order to build relationships, you talk about your home life. You talk about what you do on the weekends. That's building community. I It scares me. Death that I am not going to be able to have these conversations with my children 
because they're going to ask me what I did on the weekend. I don't want to have to hide that my partner and I went paddleboarding this weekend. Yes, you do. Because they're not asking. You're volunteering it. You're putting up pictures. You're bringing it up. Because no five-year-old is going to come up to you and say, Mr. whatever your name is in Florida, what did you do this weekend? Five-year-olds don't do that. Stop lying. Stop making it up. Stop grooming. Stop indoctrinating. Stop teaching that this is okay. Because it is not okay when you are five years old. Take a time out now. 1125 AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, yeah. This just came across my smartphone screen. Yeah, why not? Let's just normalize it some more. Let's just continue to push more and more uh, children into this. Uh, Fox News announced this morning that it has signed Caitlyn Jenner as a new contributor. And the retired Olympic gold medalist. Can you still call Caitlyn Jenner a gold medalist? Because Bruce Jenner won the gold medal in the decathlon back in 1976. Bruce Jenner did that. Apparently this is no longer Bruce Jenner. Can we call Caitlyn Jenner the retired Olympic gold medalist? I don't know. Anyway, Caitlyn will be making an appearance on Hannity tonight to uh, announce the, uh, uh, the union, the, the contract, the agreement. Caitlin's story is an inspiration to us all, CEO Suzanne Scott said in a statement. She is a trailblazer in the LGBTQ community, and her illustrious career spans a variety of fields that will be a tremendous asset for our audience. First appearance tonight, 9 p.m. on Hannity. Caitlin Jenner said, I am humbled by this unique opportunity to speak directly to Fox News Media's millions of viewers about a range of issues that are important to the American people. I'm guessing she won't be, or he won't be, or Caitlin won't be. I'm not doing the pronoun game. I'm guessing that Caitlin won't be talking about issues that are extremely important to uh, millions of Americans, because most Americans don't give a rat's A about this. And they're sick and tired of having it forced onto their television sets, onto their computer screens, onto their phone screens, into their kids' schools, into their kids' ears. They're tired of it. Pretty sure that most Americans are not excited about what you are about to bring to the table on Fox News. Got a reaction to that? I want to hear it. Do it. 216-901-0945 or leave me a message at alwayswrite.us. And we're right back after the news. turns to the left, turn to the right, always right, with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. 11.36, got one more segment to go on AM 1420, The Answer. We always leave the last segment for Bill O'Reilly before the top of the hour. Let's go to Frank, who's calling us from Brook Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Frank, go ahead, sir. Hi, thanks. Hey, uh, you know, two weeks ago, uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine was urging Congress with a video address. It was a good address, but he uh, he did it very well, basically. But uh, anyway, 
one problem we got here, though. You know, the Congress has got to get back to the people about anything related to this war. If we give him more aid and big stuff, Putin's going to get mad. And he'll consider it an act of war. And the last time the United States declared war formally through Congress was in 1942 against Bulgaria. We've lost all the wars since. The Bay of Pigs, Vietnam, Korea, Afghanistan, you name it. We lost them all. Anyway, we got to use our heads and, first of all, just, Congress has got to start calling through consultation with the people. Leaders like Pelosi, Schumer, McCarthy, and McConnell should immediately declare something like a two-week recess. Members return to their districts, hold nonstop public consultations, town halls, and open forums for constituents only. And when they get that, this responsible Congress could declare war. The president cannot. And that's when they can they got to address this themselves. But they got to talk to us. They should come home for two weeks. And if not, if they don't do that, then they're losing. They're just total losers. We don't need them. They ought to all resign. Congress and Senate, both. It's the president is not the deal. War is declared by Congress, period. All right, Frank. Well, let me uh, respond to some of that, and thank you for the phone call. <clears throat> Uh, I'd probably take a little bit of an issue with the we've lost every war since 1942, and I think you probably meant to say 45 when, when World War II ended. Um, we did not lose in Korea. They they did indeed, of course, call a ceasefire. Um, the war was never officially ended, but we didn't necessarily lose the war. Um, we certainly did not lose the war in Afghanistan. We lost the peace. We won the war. We routed the Taliban. We did everything we could within reason, to um, to essentially install, if not, that's the wrong word because it wasn't our job to install a, a democracy, but to try to install a government that was not going to be as um, dangerous for the U.S. and our interests as the Taliban was. After all, the Taliban, of course, as we all know, is who provided funding and training for uh, and space for these things for the al-Qaeda uh, terrorists who attacked us on 9-11. But we, we won the war. We lost the peace afterward, and eventually, of course, we saw what happened. Biden decided, okay, we're getting out of there, and it was a disaster, and the Afghanistan is right back to where it was before with the Taliban in charge. So we won the war, but then we lost the peace, and here we go again. We won in Iraq as well. We won both in Desert Storm when we went to Kuwait and tried and liberated Kuwait, and then, of course, in 2003, and you can argue the merits of whether we should have gone to war or not, and it's been argued ever since the first uh, uh, announcement was made. Uh, that we were going after Saddam Hussein, and, and that, that battle will be forever. And I'm not going to fight it right now about whether we should have gone to war. But we did go to war in Iraq, and we won. And we captured Saddam Hussein, and eventually Saddam Hussein was executed. So I would disagree somewhat that we have lost all of these wars since then. Having said that, I'm with you, Frank, on this. We don't want to go to war with Russia. We don't want to go with China. go to war with China. I think our military right now is at its weakest point in decades. And it's not because of the brave men and women who volunteer to serve and enlist. It's because of the leadership. It's because of the unbelievably weak and ineffective 
feckless Joe Biden as commander-in-chief. It's because of leadership like Mark Milley's. I mean, Mark Milley, General Mark Milley at the, at the Joint Chiefs is an absolute washout as a leader. Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense in charge of the Pentagon, same thing. Woke, these guys are more concerned with, with DIE, diversity, diversity, inclusion, and equity in the, in the uh, U.S. fighting forces than actually war preparation. I don't want to go war to war, uh, go nose to nose with anybody in a war, much less Russia or China, because we're in trouble. We are in trouble if that happens. But, but beyond that, providing planes to Poland to replace planes that they give to Ukraine to secure their airspace and stop the unbelievable war crimes and atrocities that are being committed by Putin right now, uh, I don't think that is too far. And I don't think Putin would see that as a declaration of war at all. He knows, and everybody knows, that the United States is already providing weapons to Ukraine. We provided weapons to Ukraine back when Obama surrendered Crimea. He at least said, yeah, we'll give them some weapons. Not enough, obviously, to stop uh, Putin from uh, from uh, annexing Crimea, that peninsula. But, yeah, we're providing already all kinds of military equipment to Ukrainian fighters. And, and Putin hasn't said, well, that's America, uh, you know, declaring war on us. That's not true. I think helping them to patrol their airspace to try to stop theaters filled with um, uh, 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 people seeking shelter, innocent civilians seeking shelter being bombed from the sky, I think uh, helping them to patrol and defend against that is simply humanitarian. It's not an act of war. I think we absolutely do need to make a strong showing here in support of the Ukrainians, even though the Ukraine government is not flawless. It's not. We've listened to a lot of people exposing a lot about uh, corruption in Ukraine. We talked about this, uh, too, last week. You know, Candace Owens was asked by the New York Times, why do you say Ukraine is corrupt? Where are you getting that information? Because we're running an expose on this right now. We want your comment. And she said, I got it from you. Because the New York Times and several other publications through the last, you know, several years have declared the ongoing corruption in, 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 uh, in Ukraine. So this isn't about them being some, you know, pure as the driven snow, you know, democracy that is being attacked by the evil communist empire. They're not as innocent as all that. But the people inside are. And I think how, how we respond to that is going to dictate what happens with Kim Jong, or not Kim Jong-un, with uh, Xi Jinping respond to that is going to dictate what happens with Kim Jong, or not Kim Jong-un, with uh, Xi Jinping in charge of China with their respect, with respect to Iran, uh, excuse me, Taiwan. And then, of course, Kim Jong-un in North Korea has already started uh, banging war drums again because of President Brandon's policies and his weakness and his ineffectiveness. So there you go. A little foreign policy to wrap up the program this morning. Thank you for the great questions and comments, Frank. Like I said, I think we kind of share the same goals here. We just might not see it the exact same way. There are things that we can do without declaring war against against, uh, Russia. All right, thank you to my guests, Dr. Edward Piper. If you missed that interview, it should be up soon at uh, uh, alwaysright.us on the podcast page. Check that out. Don't forget to check out the web store while you're there, also at alwaysright.us. Get your gear and show show your pride. And the thanks also to Jonah Jonah Schultz. Thanks to our crew, and thanks to you for listening. Say it with me now. Let's go, Brandon. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.